Welcome to season two of the Aging Project podcast. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and together we're here to uncover and explore the secrets to healthy, fabulous, vibrant aging. We've done the research and we've found the best guests ready to help you flourish at any age. So join me as I ask the big questions, your questions, to some of the world's leading authorities in health wellness and lifestyle. Think of them as your own support aging mentors, a group of experts that are here to make the little changes turn into a big difference for us. The Aging Project was created to help you age well, to help us all age well together. So welcome to the Aging Project podcast. Today we're asking the question, is it time we made physical health and mental health a priority as we age? We hear a lot about the importance of staying physically healthy. Most of us understand what's required to do that. It's a daily investment of good food choices and staying active. It's easy to identify the people around us who look physically healthy, but knowing who's mentally healthy is harder to spot. And more importantly, what's their secret to their abundant mental health? That's what I wanna know. So today our focus is looking after and staying mentally well. This is an important topic, ladies, so let's kick off. Amy, it's a funny thing, isn't it? And I don't mean funny, ha-ha funny, but the fact that our age, you know, 40 plus, we're supposed to have everything together. Our life is supposed to be completely on track and on plan. And we're meant to, you know, mental health and our mental wellness should be at this time on point because we've got so much life experience and that's just not the case is it I mean sometimes we just feel a little bit depth out of but for some Mm. of us it it does run a lot deeper than that yeah I totally agree and I think you know as as we get older though life becomes a lot more complex for people doesn't it there's a lot more responsibility and a lot, lot more at stake when you become parents and and so much more to consider but You know, I I also feel that for a lot of us in our 40s and 50s, uh, the way in which we support ourselves is a little bit generational. Mm -hmm. Um, And if we've grown up in a family where we were told to just stop being a crybaby and um, zip it and not express our emotions as I was, by the time we get to sometimes 40 and 50, we don't even know how to and Mm -hmm. how how to manage them and how to support them. And I remember as a 40 year old, so 10 years ago, working with an intuitive healer actually who said well Amy you just need to process those challenging emotions and I said what do you mean I actually didn't even know what she meant by that I don't have any I don't have any problems well (laughs) I recognized that I did because I was chronically ill and I wasn't happy Mm. so there was definitely a problem but no one had ever told me that when I felt a challenging emotion the sadness anxiety anger or something that I should I needed to process it think it through, figure things out. Whereas what I had been doing um, was drowning those, um, back back in the day, drowning those challenging emotions by working really hard, exercising really hard, drinking really hard, just numbing it all. And, you know, I think that so for, so for the, those of us in our 40s and 50s, it's, it's about coming to terms with the need to really healthily process the challenging emotions and not go to vices. Mm -hmm. So for you, there there was a conscious acknowledgement that something isn't right and you could have just seen that as a chronic illness, but you were guided through the fact that, no, this might not be um, something that you're eating, something that you've contracted, something you're doing. This is within you and you're the one who's going to have to fix it. Yeah, 
And so for me, so a little bit of background, I had chronic fatigue syndrome, which hit me in my late 30s, was so bad I had to move to Tassie and live with my parents at 39 for a year, <laughs> comes with its own set of challenges. Um, but I, and I was at that time, I had an amazing doctor who was, who was talking me through everything that I, guiding me through everything I needed to do to return to health. So, you know, go to a whole food diet, making sure, you know, um, getting rid of toxicity in my life, all sorts of things. And towards the end of that journey, I just, there was something that just wasn't quite right. I just couldn't quite get there, which was getting back to having a normal life, working, you know, at least even part-time. And it, and it came to me that it was because of my mental health and I was riddled with fear, fear of never figuring it out, not knowing what I was going to do with the rest of my life, if you've never been free of chronic illness. And it was my mindset that was almost like the last box that I needed to tick. Mm-hmm. So it was, and then that experience that I had with that healer who made me realise far out, I've missed a massive piece of our health puzzle for 40 years. Unbelievable. And so in that moment, I, I, I thought, to my, I said to myself, right, well, I've got to do something about this. I've got to, I've got to start supporting my mental health. And then that's when things, you know, the business that I now have came about and everything started coming about and I, you know, started feeling considerably better. And isn't that crazy? It's now all of that has led to, as you say, who you are now and what you're able to do for everybody else. So through that adversity and obviously what was an incredibly, um, you know, horrendous time in your life, not knowing if there was anything beyond that has led you to be able to do what you do now and help so many people. Yeah, but it's also the recognition, I think, that, you know, when we go through challenging, I, I really I really do believe that, that, that what's on the other side of a challenge is often incredibly transformational and, mm-hmm. and our mental health is impacted by our perspective there. So if we can all just accept that life is always going to have its challenges, I think mm-hmm. a lot of it, I think as a therapist, I, I, there's almost a point where some of my clients are just waiting for this moment in time where life's going to be easy and, mm-hmm. and I'll just have them suddenly figure it all out. But once we come to fully accept that the challenges are always going to come and, in fact, a lot of those challenges get us up and out and, you know, we come into a challenge down here but we've got to dig deep to get out of it, we come out mm-hmm. up here stronger, more resilient, more mentally strong, there's a blessing in that without sounding too cliche. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so, so, so choosing to reframe the challenges that come in your life, that come along in your life, can actually be a really powerful tool. So, where can we all start with just being a little bit more aware of our of our mental health and a little bit more caring about what that actually means? Yeah, I think I think there's a number of things that we can do. I, I feel. That again, I hate to keep repeating myself, but for those of us around 40 or 50, a lot of us haven't grown up knowing how to process our emotion. And I think we need to bring greater awareness to the discomfort that we feel and just start becoming aware of where we might use vices in our life to, instead of processing the challenging emotion, um, use alcohol and what if, you know, food and Netflix or whatever it is to soothe because we're not building any mental strength if we keep going back to those vices. And it, with that, there's a recognition that nothing's going to change unless something changes, mm-hmm. but only we can make this change. So if we want to feel differently, we have to take responsibility by doing things differently. 
but it doesn't need to take a lot of time in your day. So for me, a word that I like to keep coming back to is that need to pause. And, you know, if I'm at home and I just feel this discomfort, I'm like, oh, flip, I feel anxious. Why? It's like, okay, let me just pause and feel into this. Where do I feel anxious? Is it in my tummy? Is it in my chest? And what are the feelings around that? And why? Where is this coming from? And then asking ourselves, well, do I have control over this fear at the moment? Or is this a story I'm just telling myself? Often we can just let it go. It's like, well, actually, no, there's nothing. I don't have control over this. So I'm just going to let it go. So there are some really simple things you can do. You know, also, you know, movement, you know, just going for a walk, getting out into nature, really simple little things that we can do to help to help bring focus to the need for our, for better mental health. But mostly it's about taking responsibility and setting the intention. Does that answer the question? I, I'm not, yes. <laughs> but you, yeah. you might not be able to do that yourself and, and I'm sure yeah. we've all, all had those moments where it just felt like too much um, and I don't know where to reach out for that. Do I need to see a psychologist? Is it a psychiatrist? Is it just my GP? Do I talk to a girlfriend? Like if I'm yeah. actually feeling that sense of um, being overwhelmed and it's not going away and I am waking up with that anxiety and, yeah. you know, we've been learning through the first series on the Ageing Project that, yes, exercise, diet, friendships, um, community, all of those things, your meditation, all those practices come together. And if you're doing all those things but still feel yeah. like it's it's too much, where do we go? Where do you do? Yeah. And look, I'm a massive supporter of therapy. I mean, I'm a therapist and I even I will have a coach at the moment for various things that I'm letting go of. And I, I feel we can't be expected to do everything on our own and all of us need support at different times in our life. So there are a multitude of different therapists people can see I think going to, if you are at that crucial point where none of these little tips and tricks that you learn along the way seem to be making a difference, then it's important that you either, yes, connect with a friend who shows, who has a great ear and, and shows great love and support, but, but can empathise and, and can really hear you. And then, and then choosing a therapist. Um, and there are a wonderful array of different therapies that we can all use like the the EFT tapping that I do in my therapy practice you, anyone can learn how to do that at home um, so what is that but, explain that one to us EFT oh, therapy <laughs> EFT therapy I, I'm sure some of your listeners will by now have heard of but it's otherwise known as psychological acupressure and what it essentially works by tapping on some really specific points on your upper body while repeating or verbalizing your concerns. So it could be issues mm -hmm. around sleep or fear or overwhelm or stress, as an example. Mm -hmm. And what happens is it short circuits the flight or fight response. So um, the, um, and that in turn lowers your cortisol. So that is one of the quickest and easiest ways to reduce stress in a heartbeat. And you can do mm -hmm. that in your car, do that in standing in the kitchen as you're going to sleep. Mm -hmm. in within a, within you know two minutes that sounds like a ridiculously amazing tool to yeah have. It, and it and it truly is and this actually takes me on to something else I've been thinking a bit about and I I feel that a lot of us have been conditioned to believe that for things to be different we must have to go maybe we do have to go and see a therapist for 10 20 years maybe it needs to be complicated because we're often taught that it is mm -hmm. that in the experience that I have with little kids as an example, you know, kids who can't go to school because of a fear of vomiting or germs and adults who can't get on a plane to see a dying parent, mm -hmm. you know, I can do 20 minutes of this with them and get them on a plane. 
or back to school. Like the problem I think is that sometimes if tools are almost too easy, we tend to overlook them. It's like, oh, you know, I mean, there are, of course, people need proof and research and and there's a lot of research around emotional Yeah, but you've done that. So we've just got to have the, the, you know, the faith and the confidence in those people that are delivering those tools to us that, yes, it might seem simple, but it is simple. It, you've it just is. got to you've and just got to trust the process. That's right, and I hear wonderful feedback from people every day. And in fact, if any listeners um, want to go and just try it, there's a I, I did a live community um, tapping session last week to reduce stress and overwhelm, and there were hundreds and hundreds. It was just so beautiful, and it's about 15 minutes long. It's on my Instagram feed, and I, I just literally do a tap along with everybody to reduce the, the stress that they're feeling. And the feedback I'm getting from women. Go, oh, I haven't slept for 10 years and now I'm sleeping again and I tapped before I went into a meeting and I can't tell you how differently I felt. Like it's an amazing thing. I am absolutely going to give yeah. that a go. I yeah. recently explored um, neuro-linguistic programming. Ah, uh, which you? Yeah, which I found really interesting, the fact that um, I, I wasn't, you know, I just wasn't feeling right I suppose you know you had those feelings of anxiety or stress that weren't going away through other things I thought oh look I'll I'll dig into this and I loved the fact that it wasn't digging into baggage that maybe I didn't even know existed it was just here's a very simple solution to what you're doing let's do this work through it and for me that was great you know because I've you know I have lived a wonderful life I've had a supportive family and friends and mm. um, you know you sometimes feel like I don't deserve to be feeling out of sorts because I've got no reason to be life is yeah life should be great for me yeah. um, but to have you know a simple simple solution like that have have you sort of explored that area or do you have any comments yes, on I do it NLP? every day I um the other thing that I do so most EFT I do a lot of but I also do this two-hour session called CTC therapy mm-hmm. which combines Mm -hmm. EFT, hypnosis, neuro-linguistic programming and Reiki to help get to the bottom. So whilst it's it's not like talk therapy, you don't have to talk through any trauma or anything in your life, what we do is we get to the very root cause of, for instance, where that feeling of not being enough might have come about. So often Mm -hmm. when we're little girls, something happens before the age of seven or around the age of seven. We might be in a playground, someone's um, kids are bullying us or a teacher laughs at, laughs at us in the, in, the, in the classroom. And what that can do is create, right in that moment, it creates a program pattern of behaviour of I'm not enough and this sort of fear of judgement. And that plays out across our lives. So in the two-hour CTC that I do, we go back to basically, as woo as this kind of sounds, to heal that little girl. And it's getting, and it gets to the root cause of all of the different challenges that we face. So that's what I spend a lot of my time doing, just this one-off two-hour session. And that's what actually set me on this path and is when I became so um, aware and conscious of my mental health and and the thoughts that I choose every day, which become my reality. I would be surprised if there was a human out there that didn't have that feeling at some time, somewhere yeah. in their lives. And as you say, you know, not to blame the teacher or the parent or the friend or whatever it is, but it's how you read that moment and how your body then programs, as you say, sets that into place and yeah. it's with you forever unless yeah. you do unless something you, about it. Unless you can do something about it. And it's just even recognising where it came from and bringing awareness to how it plays out. So I see a lot of women for fears of public speaking mm-hmm. Um, and that ultimately comes back to more often than not a feeling of not being good enough 
and because of that we have a fear of what people think of us so it's getting to the root cause of that and clearing that so that they can get up and speak with confidence um but some of this stuff we can't figure out in our conscious mind and we certainly can't do on our own so you need therapists to help you and I think it's really important that we talk about how simple that can possibly be for everybody Um, absolutely reaching that point of asking for help is perhaps the toughest part of that journey and one of the reasons I love probably the work that I do like this two-hour session is a one-off so someone comes to me with a whole range of things that are holding them back so let's say fears of flying and public speaking and you know shame or guilt or whatever it is and we do we support them in just one session and then I give them some really simple tips and tools that helps them that empowers them to manage their mindset moving forward so they don't need necessarily to keep coming back to me, mm-hmm. which is like the work that I do with kids, with the tapping. I, I teach them that there are these magic buttons on their face that can help soothe whatever it is that's happening for them and off they go tapping at home in bed at night. So I think it's important that people are empowered with tools to help themselves as mm-hmm. well, but that certainly doesn't discount the need for therapists and other health practitioners yes so yeah. you can you can lean for a moment yeah until you're equipped yeah and you need to you need to really need to lean into the stuff that resonates with you mm-hmm. and a lot of the work that I some of the work that I do may not resonate with people so it's important that you find particularly if you're looking at a psychologist that you find someone you really connect with and it's okay if you if that takes three different appointments Right. But, you know, I had a psychologist for 10 years during my chronic illness who was, I, I couldn't wait to see her every month. And I just invested in seeing her to talk about work that I was doing at the time and help navigate my, my illness. But it was one of the most brilliant investments that I could have done, could have made, I think, if, you know, if you can afford to see somebody on, the, on a regular basis, it's very well worth, worthwhile. And it's obviously different to what we see in TV shows and movies of lying on the couch and, yeah. you know, holding a cushion or something, isn't it? Like, oh, I, yeah, yes. <laughs> to instill that, that confidence in someone that they can help you, a, yeah. a total stranger. But it is about also sometimes it's about the words that come from the right mouth. You know, like occasionally my partner, will, I'll come excitedly home and tell him about something I'm about to do or I've just learnt and he'll go, but... I told you about that or I said you should do that last week, but it I did it just didn't resonate. Yes, <laughs> so yes. like the parent teaching you how to drive or yeah, the husband yeah. teaching you how to surf. Yeah, any of those things. Exactly, Shelley. That's right. So it really is important that you find the right connection and that, you know, I've had a psychologist who I who oh, I just come home and I'd be so excited. She'd give me these tools that just resonated with me so much. And I I'd say, right, put it on a you know, draw draw what you just said in a in a visual graph or something, so I can stick it on my whiteboard and I'll practice it every day. And you know, that suited my personality. Yes, <laughs> and there are, I guess, it is finding that that person, and that might take a few goes. It might. To find the That's right. right. And it, and I think it's it's important that we prioritise finding that connection and not feel uncomfortable about it. It's okay if you say, "Look, no, I'm going to leave it," or you don't follow up and make another appointment. It's there will be so much more value in that connection if the words that they share with you resonate. So how do you look after yourself now, Amy, having been through what you have and come out the other side and obviously made an amazing life change, career change, Mm. uh, purposeful life out of what you have learnt from your experience? What does your day-to-day life look like now for you in a wellness sense? Yeah, it's... um, 
because of my experience with chronic fatigue, it has meant that I have to be very, very carefully guard my energy. I have worked from home bar one day a week in clinic at the moment for 10 years. So um, that means that I can have a really structured day. And I also don't have kids. So apologies to the, to the, to the mothers amongst the listeners who have a, a little bit of a busier day than me when I share this. But my, there are some priorities in my life that I will, that I have really strict boundaries around. So sleep is unequivocally the, my biggest priority. So it's, I get eight and a half every night. And Me nothing, too. And nothing I've got kids. That, that well, is my, you know, my yeah. one non-negotiable. Totally house. non-negotiable because when we're not getting good sleep, that will impact our mental health. We make different food choices. We just, you know, we're not as productive. So sleep is very, very important. And I am really focused on my diet because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, years ago I had certain food, I discovered a certain food intolerances. And as an example, I had to remove gluten. And when I did that, it was like, oh, my God. I can actually now compute and I can think clearly without gluten. And, you know, when I'm eating really inflammatory foods, there's no question that 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 impacts the way that I feel day to day. So food, sleep and rest has always been a very challenging one for me because I've always been a little bit A-type and quite driven and sort of determined and slowing down has been hard, but I really my energy is my currency and I think for a lot of us we we overlook we can overlook that and that, that there is a lot of strength in resting in so far as finding greater clarity around what we want in life and where we're going in life and all those sorts of things yeah but then there's things like tapping you know hitting my magic buttons on my face <laughs> I'm definitely coming to you to learn more about this do business this sounds perfect for me I love it you, you mentioned boundaries um, yes. And we spoke earlier in season one to Georgie Coglin, an amazing Australian, and she's she learned about boundaries um, after again going through a very tough point in her life. It's something that I'm not quite sure how to identify what those are and, and where you decide where you're comfortable and if it becomes a huge change for you as a person to suddenly set those boundaries Mm. that's obviously going to offset you a little bit for a while too because you're suddenly taking care of yourself or yeah yeah putting it out this is new for me and you're all going to have to deal with these new boundaries that I've put in place how do you identify what what boundaries are are important to you and and what Mm. they are and how they look for the people around you it's a really good question and I actually think the easiest way to ascertain what, where your boundaries need to be is where in your life do you experience discomfort. As an example, a friend who forever shows up late to your dinner, you know, to, to dinner and so you might be sitting at the table feeling real discomfort around that because she's disrespecting your boundaries and whatever they are around quality time or... <laughs> Um, you know, certainly feeling discomfort, uncomfortable around the way someone might speak to you. Like wherever you feel discomfort is a really good place to start to ascertain what your bound, where your boundaries might, might need to shift. But I think what happens when we talk about boundaries is people think they're cold and rigid and hard and sometimes almost aggressive or something and they don't need to be. And I I did. I interviewed on my own podcast um, a wonderful woman, Tamara Wada, Wada who who um, she refers to boundaries as membranes, soft, flexible, gentle membranes. And the beautiful thing about boundaries is when we have them, we have safety. So for kids who grow up without boundaries, there's no safety. They're not really quite sure what they should be doing, where they should be doing it, you know. But when you grow up in a 
when you are in a relationship or in friendships where we know what our boundaries are, mm-hmm. we feel safer. We know what there's greater expectation and understanding. Is there an importance yeah. in vocalising those boundaries to those around you or do you just set them and keep them within yourself and if someone is stepping over those or is making you feel uncomfortable in those you can just back away and choose not to to spend time with that person or do you need to actually for your own I guess moving forward do you need to vocalize that to the person to be able to to I guess I guess it certainly depends on the circumstance um I would if if there's if you value your friendship enough, then having a conversation, mm-hmm. um, I think, is very valuable. I think honesty and truth is you, you can't go wrong if you're just being honest and kind. And if the other friend values your the friendship enough, then they'll understand. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can do it without having to say anything. So, an ex- well, um, you might like, for instance, I know that I need to be in bed at about nine thirty. And so if a friend says to me, I'd love to catch up, let's go and have dinner, I'll meet you at eight, I don't, I, that just, I can't do that because I know that by the time I get home, it'll probably be on 9.30, I'll be a bit wired and won't be able to sleep. So, I, oh, look, I can't, I, I won't be able to make it tonight, but what about we go for a walk on the weekend? Like I'm really good at holding my own boundaries. I don't need to say, oh, no, I can't because I have to be in bed at 9.30. What I tend to do is is encourage activities that support my boundaries, which often like, for instance, walking and talking and brunch and and early six o'clock dinners. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to be very good friends, (laughs) Amy. But yeah, I think there's always place for a conversation if you feel courageous enough, but they don't always have to be said just, I think as women, we we often feel like we need to apologise. I think we need to not feel like we have to justify and apologise for the decisions we make day to day as well. So could boundaries also be described as putting yourself first, which I know we find yeah. very difficult. Um, so very rather than difficult. being a, a blocker or something like a fence around us, it's yeah. just, no, I'm actually just treating myself better and I know that not being in bed by 9.30 is going to make me feel bad. That's but right. upsetting my friend who I can't now do dinner with, well, they will find someone else to have dinner with. So of it's course. actually forgiving yourself and, and putting yourself first rather than... Yeah. Putting anyone else second, I guess. A super quick pause in our conversation. Have you heard the news? The Aging Project has a sister platform called You Must Try It. It's come about because, like you, we want to age well, but that means knowing which products or brands to buy. And let's face it, with so many products on the market, it's becoming harder to choose. So, with the guidance of our in house wellness team, we are doing the research for you. You'll only find tried, tested and loved products on youmusttryit.com. So if that's of any interest, go and sign up. We'd love you to join us. Okay, let's get back to our chat. Well, that's it. And I think when we when we put other people's needs and desires and whatever else before our own, we're essentially saying their needs and wants are more important than mine. But I think I feel like a lot more respect is garnered in relationships when we're when we hold our values close. And again, let's as I've mentioned, they are they can just be like membranes. They can be flexible. But you know, I've had a pretty busy time work-wise lately, which has meant that I've really needed to cut back on activities that can wear me out, like a lot of social activity. So in my mind, I know 
I will just see two friends a week, could be a walk on a Saturday and a dinner during the week, and that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't need to tell anyone if they ask me, but I'm oh, like, I can't this week, but I'd love to catch up with you next week. Yes, because then that, that's feeling like you have to come up with an excuse to no, do something never. that you want to do. Yeah, and but recognising that if we want to show up as healthy and happy, the best version of ourselves in our life, we have to prioritise our own health and our own mm-hmm. mental health and the activities that we do day to day to keep us, keep us feeling strong. It's so important and no one's going to do it for us. No, that's exactly right. And you think even if you were stretching your own boundaries to perhaps um, spend time with that friend, then you're probably disrespecting them because you're not coming 100% you, are you? That's a really good point. You know. You show up exhausted, strung out, a bit irritated possibly and probably not very present. And they probably have that conversation with you, actually. (laughs) Yeah. You you haven't shown me much respect by turning up like that today. Yeah. Amy, I could absolutely sit and chat to you all day, but the beauty is you don't have to sit and chat to me because I can get hold of you through your new online course. Oh, yes. So I have a new online course called EFT for Kids Online. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is on my website, theholisticingredient.com. That course is for, it's a short course for adults and little kids to help empower kids to through their anxiety and other worries and challenges in life. But you can also find me on Instagram, The Holistic Ingredient, and the same on Facebook. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I know you're going to get a whole bunch of ageing project people crossing over now. (laughs) I look forward to it. Thank you so much for your time, Shelley. It's been a delight. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go and start tapping, tap, tapping away. (laughs) My magic (laughs) buttons. (laughs) There's so much we could unpack from that conversation, from generational emotional habits to using devices to soothe ourselves. Hello, Netflix, Uber Eats, online shopping. Um, I love the idea of using simple tools like pausing and lesser-known therapies like tapping that Amy mentioned. Here's to being open to trying new things. And when it comes to mental health, we all have our own unconscious beliefs influenced by our upbringing. Many of us grew up with the stay strong, don't show your weakness or talk about anything mentality. But today, those deep-rooted beliefs play out in conversations with other women. Women are proud to discuss going to the gym, for example, but few discuss their daily mental health practices. And that is what we're going to change. I hope The Ageing Project can do their bit to start building these new conversations and encourage women to embrace their own mental health practices. So why not forward this episode on to someone you care about as a way of starting more conversations about the need to look after and invest in our mental and physical health equally on the daily. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you gained a lot from this conversation. I know that I did. And thank you very much, Amy, for being our guest. I'm Shelley Craft and here's to abundant mental health for many years to come. Stay tuned. Chat soon. The Aging Project is brought to you by Poly Studio. They're our go-to team for all things podcasting.